for just about everything for the outdoors. Go to MidwayUSA.com. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots as well as free returns and exchanges and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Well, y'all, with the draw results happening or just around the corner, the season heat is happening. And what a better way to get the heat rocking than to have a show on elk calling and strategies. Who, buddy, do we have a show for y'all today? On today's show, we have the world elk caller himself. Mr. Travis O'Shea is in the house. And Travis is locked and loaded and ready for some elk calling and strategy talk. So hold on tight, y'all. It's going to be epic tonight. That discussion, our Elk Bros shout outs and great questions from our Elk Bros mailbox. So my friends, pull up a chair, adjust your volumes just right, and welcome to Blue Collar Elk Hunting. Welcome to Blue Collar Elk Hunting, brought to you by ElkBros.com with your host, Gilbert Ornelas, and elk hunting coach, Joe Gilly. You want to hunt elk, and they live to hunt elk. Their goal is to share with you what they have learned grinding it out for over 35 seasons, doing what they love. So come on into camp and set a spell. Welcome to Blue Collar Elk Hunters. Hello there, everyone. If it's your first time with us, glad to have you. Hope you enjoy our show. And as always, for those blue collar hunters following our show and grinding it out with us every week, welcome back to Elk Camp. I'm Gilbert Ornelas, the host of your show, coming to you from Spring, Texas. And that's right. We've got the leader of the Venezuelan Mafia in the house, Mr. Luis Gonzalez from Katy, Texas. And we have the legend himself, Mr. R.C. Knox in the house from Cuesta, New Mexico. And from Cimarron, we've got your elk hunting coaches in the house, Leroy the Ninja Chavez and Joe Gillia is in the house tonight. And pulling up a chair to join our crew at Elk Camp today is the man behind Wapiti River Elk Calls, the Elk Whisperer himself, world champion caller and one of the most passionate elk hunters you will ever meet in your life. Our 
northern brother from another mother, Mr. Travis O'Shea. Where's the crowd? <laughs> <laughs> Travis, what's happening, brother Travis? We we paid clappers. Uh, That's awesome. Yeah, yeah. The, the money just comes in the mail. <laughs> hey man, put the clappers in when camp, he bro. does all the editing, man. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> exactly. Hey Travis, man, thanks for joining us tonight, bud. Absolutely, thanks for having me, guys. It's a ab- absolute honor to be on here. <laughs> So everybody up in above that line across the United States knows Wapiti River, knows Travis O'Shea. But for these people down here that haven't heard, tell everybody a little bit about yourself. Well, basically I've been uh, just kind of grew up elk hunting with my dad and my uncles and all them. And uh, my dad wasn't really a caller, but way back in the day when I was a little kid, you know, 13, 14, he bought me an elk read. And it was, uh, believe it or not, it was a Wayne Carlton uh, yellow reed and uh went out there and i didn't know how to use that thing because we're i'm le- trying to learn out of a magazine and uh <laughs> it don't tell you everything in a magazine that you need to know i didn't know if it had to go forward backwards upside down i didn't know how it had to go in so right. but long story short i i went out that whole elk season i thought you could just buy a reed and go out and dad got me this reed and i went out and i never made a single sound that whole season <laughs> so but I kept with it, and uh, I learned it that next summer. And lo and behold, you wouldn't believe it, but I went out that next year, and I actually shot my very own first elk that I called in. How so, old are you, man? Wow, that's cool. Man. I believe I was – I think you're allowed to hunt when you're 14 or 16 way back then. I'm old now. I can't remember. But uh, let's just say I think I was 16. I think so you're you allowed to hunt on your own. You killed your first elk when you were 16, you lucky dog. Yeah. Oh, and uh, – Wow. The funny part is I don't put in for any draws, and that year, because I was hunting with my dad, he made me put in for the draw. So I actually got the antlerless draw is what it was called. Uh-huh. And uh, so what I call it is a cow draw. I thought antlerless is a cow when I was little, right? Mm-hmm. So I called this what I thought was a cow in, and she come down this trail, and I played with her back and forth. Like she came right up to 10, 15 yards from me right down the trail, face on. And I didn't know what to do with her. So <laughs> I let her go, and then I called her back, and I let her go, and I called her back. And I thought, well, if I don't shoot this thing, my dad's going to be mad because we want meat in the freezer, right? So, right. Heck yeah. So I, yeah. I let it go back a little way. I had my 270 at the time. It was a, It's a, honestly the first elk I've ever shot with my 270 to this day because I, uh, I turned archery hunter right after that. But uh, I shot this thing out. It, we were in the bush, and it ran out to the edge of the field, believe it or not. And uh, my dad and my uncle got over there first. I was kind of cutting through the bush. And uh, they were starting to work up this elk already. And I was like, okay, this is cool. They're they're doing the gut, gutting and all that stuff. And uh, my dad looks up at me and like, he's like, wow, he's got nuts on him. And my face <laughs> just went, oh, no. my, my face went white. I'm thinking, oh, my goodness, I'm in trouble. I just shot a bull, right? It's an antlerless tag. I'm thinking, it's a cow tag. I just shot a bull. And he says, no, don't. he says, don't worry. He says, it's an antlerless tag, so you're good to go. <laughs> so I'm wow. like, oh, oh what, wow. a, what a relief, eh? So, oh. right. yeah, so, so then after that, I basically just kept calling with it and went with buddies and 
just learn to really have fun with it and play with the animals and just call in everything you possibly can, honestly. Spikers, wow. cows, whatever. And uh, that kind of led me to, I got better and better over the years. And then we did the Canadian Calling Championships, what we had here. And I won first place in the qualifier here. And then at that point, it's only open to amateurs. At that point, I had started making my Wapiti calls and selling them already. So at that point, I was a professional. So they asked me to bow out of the finals, um, which I was good with. They actually asked me to be a judge. So I became a judge in in the finals, which was pretty cool. So you got to see that end of the spectrum as well. And then from there, we went to 2013. I started calling in the World Elk Calling Championships there. Started out in Las Vegas, and now it's more in Park City, Utah there. The last four or five years, I believe it has been. Uh-huh. So Yeah. So that was the World Championship yeah. in 2015, right? And, yep. and you placed third at, at those championships, yep. right? Behind yep. Corey awesome, and... Man. Yeah. We had, I was third, and it was Brian Langley second, and Corey was first. Yeah, man. Wow. That, yeah. That, that's some big guns right there, bud. Oh, yeah. Sure. Yeah, it's great, pretty fun go, going up in the company. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the first couple of years you go there, you call, you climb up on stage there. They got like three or four stairs you got to go up. And honestly, you're, you're holding your elk reed in your hand and it's just shaking like this. You're just, <laughs> man, I hope I don't drop this sucker. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And then after you get do it a couple of years, I guess you learn how to really get your nerves in check. And then uh, sure. it's all smooth sailing after that. That's cool. <laughs> Our brother Cole, he was at the world championship, uh, this year and he said that was probably the biggest thing was getting his nerves in check, you know, being yeah, on the I'm going to have to learn how to do that because I still don't know how to do that when a big elk pops out. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I kind of just go in, I, you know, I don't know. I, I kind of just go into this mode of, I don't even think about that. I'm just trying to not get smelled you know what i mean and yeah. i'm trying to make sure that i'm understanding the language better and better i tell you what changed the game for me was really understanding why elk sound the what elk sounds mean you know what i mean um and learning the language that made a huge difference I man yeah could i make the cow calls and the muse the bull muse and all of those things bugle you know like my nano still have his hasn't even learned english properly man i don't know <laughs> so for me it was learning okay well, why is that bull making that kind of bugle why is that cow making that kind of sound that just kind of changed the game for me and i don't i don't know if that's helped you at, at all in your calling sequences or anything when you're even on stage because they, do they give you like a scenario that you set up? Yeah, they do. Uh, so now it's all head to head. So they pick different sounds out of a hat and you got to make certain cow sounds and certain bull sounds. Gotcha. But you, you still get your little freestyle for uh-huh. doing your bull and cow stuff at the end, which is pretty cool. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> but yeah, I mean, I don't know. I was a huge Rocky fan when I was growing up. So I always remember Rocky when he was in Rocky Three. He lost to uh, Clubber Lang there, right? And basically, he's looking in the mirror, and he's kind of defeated looking. And all of a sudden, he gets the eye of the tiger back, and he's looking sure. in the mirror, and he's just 
That's after his wife tore his ass up on the beach. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I think we can all get tired of Tiger after our wife tears our ass up. That's kind of how Beto's wife tears his ass up. The force is strong with that one, buddy. He calls her up in the mountain all excited about killing an elk. And, ooh, boy, you don't want to listen to that conversation. (laughs) (laughs) So She let the air out of you real quick. <laughs> no, you were able to shake the nerves on there. At what point? Uh, I started going there in 2013. It was 2013 and 14. I was still pretty nervous. Uh-huh. And then I really amped up my my training and my practicing and all that. And I I went into 2015 very very confident. So <laughs> it it shows when you're on stage and you're confident. It's it's a game changer. Once your confidence level is sky high, nobody can beat you. It's it's physically impossible. And so that's that's what happened. You just you go up there, you get that eye of the tiger, and you just tell yourself, you know, do this. Yeah. You got to get you know, this. Done. It, it's do funny it. you say eye of the tiger, but you kind of everybody kind of finds their own thing. Yeah. You know, as with my daughter, <clears throat> my daughter's like me. She gets we call it the vitulacus when we get the you know, the shakes and the buck fever, right? My daughter gets it bad. And um, so she found out that um, if she, for some reason, if she sings uh, Ghostbusters, the Ghostbusters <laughs> songs in her head, it clears her up. So what she does is when she starts getting the Vitulakis, she goes in her head, she starts playing, you know, Ghostbusters. And that just kind of calms her down. She makes the shot, and after the shot, she's a wreck. But oh, yeah. you know, it just kind of helps her through it. And in in, in in some of the videos that I've made filming her shooting, you know, I'm like, calm down. You know, I'm more nervous than she is, right? But I'm yeah. like, calm down. You know, remember Ghostbusters. You know, and I'm I'm even saying this in the video, right? And yeah, it helps her it. out. But it's just yeah. interesting how you're thinking that out of Tiger. She's thinking yeah. Ghostbusters. Look, and, look uh, Travis, it's just like father, like daughter. Because I mean, I've, yeah. I've been with Luis a lot when he's out there, and we were we had this bolt coming in, and all of a sudden I started hearing this. I'm pretty. Not true. Not true. Oh, man. That's a good one, Joe. <laughs> Joe, lying is a yeah. sin. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. Hey, Travis, it's funny. So, so we can really welcome everybody, man. Why, why don't you yeah. welcome with some with some cranks out of that bugle tube? Yeah, man. man let's sure. hear it. Yeah, we can do that. <laughs> <laughs> That's so awesome. Good. <laughs> so good. I am a tiger. <laughs> How'd you like that? So, Travis, man, uh, why don't you tell everybody about the call that you were just using right there? <laughs> okay. So, this here's uh, what we have is the. The new grinder by the Elk Bros. Check that out, man. (laughs) The new signature series from Wapiti River Calls, the Elk Bros Grinder. And and today, this podcast comes out on May 3rd, on May 9th. 
Um, they are in our store and uh, and for sale, man. The the new Elk Bros grinder, dude. So this yeah. so cool, this has man. been a collaboration with the Elk Bros and Travis O'Shea of Wapiti <laughs> River Outdoors. He's been. Uh, we've had conversations about this and. We talked about what our goal was out of the grinder. We wanted it to represent just that. We wanted to represent our grinders out there. And when I think about grinders, I think about guys that are going at it all day, that they're being, you know, persistent and they're working and they're there during the morning. They're there in the midday. They're there in the evening, man. They're just work, work, work. And, you know, there's a lot of calls. Like you were talking, Gilbert, we were talking earlier, and you were talking about uh, one of the calls that he has that is just fantastic to call mm-hmm. with. The, the the pink, it's the heart yeah. call, yeah. right? Yeah, the heart. Yeah. Yeah. heart yeah. And, I mean, right out of the box, it's so sweet because, you know, it has that, that light single latex. It's really great for cow calls. But the problem is when you get some of those calls that are so sweet coming out with the thin latex and the stretch that if you start cranking bugles on it, then it'll start to tear, break that down, right? Yeah. So what we wanted was we wanted a call that, like our grinders, man, could be out there working, could do bugles, and as you did that was actually going to get sweeter on the cow calls. So you've had that for a little bit there that you've been screaming on it today. Let's hear some cow calls out of that, Trap. Yep, sure. So I think I did yeah. it myself. Did anybody else? Go <laughs> get my bow real right. quick. I gotta go shut the gate. The elk are coming in the gate. <laughs> yeah. So, so that is the grinder, man. Go ahead and pop another bugle on that one for us, bud. <laughs> That's uh, awesome, man. And everybody's actually wow. so he's he's using that that tube, and he's actually blowing away from his microphone. So you're not going to yeah. hear the how loud that is out there. But man, yeah. you hear the the beauty of that. So that's the grinder call, man. And Travis, man, I thank you for working with me for making this uh, this dream a reality. We're so excited about that, but absolutely, yeah. It's been <laughs> it's been a fun go with it too, because you know. Getting to play with different latexes, and I sent you a whole bunch of reads to try and see what you liked and what you don't like, and and then finally settling on this one here. Man, it's just it's been a fun time for sure. Uh, Travis, Travis, can you bring that up to the camera again? Yeah. And explain what oh, the little notch, okay. little notches right there. That's the W so, for Wapiti River. Yeah. So the little notches there. Those, those notches are the first thing. The first thing that got me to call Travis because when I saw his call, I had, I looked at that and I said, somebody is thinking and explain why Travis. So my dad always, as a new caller, my dad had a gag tendency and basically I thought, well, why is he getting that? So I really looked at what, how he was putting the reed in and what he was doing. And I realized the, the back of the reed was just kind of bunching up a little bit. So I thought, well, I'll just cut a little V in this and relieve it a little bit. And uh, so that's what ended up having happening. We cut the notches out. It was just a, a V to start. Mm-hmm. Now you can see it's actually the W for Wapiti now. But now your sides all fold independently. Yeah. 
so it kind of stops all that gagging. It actually seals to the roof of your mouth a lot better and a lot easier and quicker. And once you have it in your mouth, it actually takes the shape of the roof of your mouth. So, like, all of us are a little bit different how it fits, but it'll it'll take that shape all the way around. And then that seemed to really help with the, the guys that had the gag tendency and everything as well. So I, it doesn't take all of it away, obviously, but, you know, when you're starting out, it definitely helps a lot. So you get that air going across, going across the bottom of the latex where it has to. Right. Now you get sound instantly from it. Well, that's where one of the things like in, in my, in our academy on our base camp in the calling section, you know, I talk about, I've, I've talked with so many callers that were getting the noise when they were trying to call and they weren't quite getting that there and they were struggling with that, with that read on the top of their mouth. And I'd say, you know, I I want you to take it out and I want you to look at it. Are there any folds in the latex? I mean, not the latex, I'm sorry, but in the tape, right? Are in the tape. Holes yeah. in the tape. And they were like, yeah, there's one on each side. Yeah. And I said, yeah. I want you to get some scissors and I want you to cut, cut a notch and, mm-hmm. and notch those out and then put it back in your mouth. And they yeah. did that and they were like, man, how did you know? And th- again, that's, you know, what I saw when I saw your call was somebody knows somebody's been using a lot of calls. Right. Right? Yeah. But, <laughs> well, I think because I went through it when I was no, a I little kid. you like <laughs> I was spitting and gagging, and my my eyes were watering. There was tears coming everywhere. Yeah, it, it was it was well, bad. I, think I told you, you no, no matter what call, whether it's a Primos, a uh, Phelps, uh, you know, Warren yeah. Carlson, it doesn't matter. I have to trim all mine. Your call is the only call I've never had to trim. And, and now I mean, it's your I'm, call, bro. It's yeah, your now call. it's our call. <laughs> so, <laughs> you're so, man, we are so uh, honored to uh that you would allow us to put our mm-hmm. our our logo on one of your calls brother uh um, yeah very humbled that you would allow us to do that so, man. thank on you on that man. note on that note and not we don't have a script really never had a script on this show um but but if we do I want to get off the script and, and Joe knows how I like to make parentheses, right? So, uh, I want to make a quick parentheses, right? And, uh, because I'm listening to this whole conversation, I'm actually reflecting back and, and I have a little bit of help to reflect back, right? So I'm reflecting back and I'm, I'm thinking, you know, two years ago and I'm thinking, you know, a lot to you and Chav, uh, Joe, what you guys have accomplished in, in Beto and the consistency with the show. And <clears throat> man, it's just unbelievable to think that out of just a group of friends hunting together, um, you know, two years later, um, there's, there's an online academy. There's, there's a show that, that shares knowledge with the public that, you know, the, the feedback that we get from, from people and, and, and how much they've learned and picked up from, from this show, how much they've changed their lives, inspired, been inspired by the show. Um, we have our own camo. Uh, we have our own mer- merchandise, t-shirts, like the one I'm wearing today, at 10% right? Club, Hats, yes, sir. A 10% club. Uh, uh, and now, you know, it just keeps growing and growing. We have the Elbros adventures and now we're, you were able to offer hunts to, to people to come hunt with us. And, and, you know, again, the academy, uh, to be able to offer, offer coaches. And now we have our own call. We have, 
the soloists are ground tube. It's just unbelievable. I'm just sitting here in awe, like, wow, it's, 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 it's amazing. And, and so if anything, I just want to say congrats, Joe, because what you and Chav and, you know, Beto have achieved is unbelievable. So, well, I'm, you and, know, I, I just, I re look up to our heavenly brother up there in the sky, Carl Gamage. Um, it's all spawned from, from him long ago. Uh, taking a chance on a fat boy from Texas and letting him come up here and elk hunt. And, uh, man, I'm, I'm, you know, just like I said, very touched and very humbled. Yeah. And, and yeah. with that, I close the parentheses. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, very touched, very, cool. very humbled, man. And, uh, you know, we've had kind of a vision and, uh, we've gone, down, we've gone down some roads and, and, you know, COVID took us on a little detour and, uh, you know, Chav's had some minefields. He's had to, he's had to, uh, navigate. Uh, he whooped cancer's ass back, uh, and, and kept it off of him. Uh, we love our brother, Chav. I mean, he's been at my side for a long, long time elk hunting. Um, I've had each one of these guys with me side by side fighting hell with a water pistol up there on those mountains, them dragging me the whole way up there. Cause I'm telling you, I got one speed and it's slow, but if I can get there, you know, we can make it happen. And, uh, I love these guys, you know, they, who they're who I ride the river with. Um, so glad to have you with us, Mr. O'Shea. We, we represent, uh, your brand as well. Um, uh, and I, I'm, that means something to me. Uh, I'm a salesman by heart. That's what I do for a living. They pay me to talk and I talk leg <laughs> off a wooden Indian. But at the end of the day, uh, we believe in, in good people and great products, man. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I believe in yours. And, so yeah. so we, we thank you so much. Well, I, I appreciate you guys believing in me. It's, it's, it's awesome. Yeah, and for our listeners out there, there's something I, I really want them to hear though, because this is real critical and that Travis and I, and Travis, man, has been so, he's been as excited about this grinder as, as I have, man. I mean, I mean, he texts me and he's just celebrating. He sends me updates and everything like that. It's just way, way cool. And, um, but one of our first conversations that I had with Travis is, Travis, I want you to understand, we're making a call that's a grinder. You have the Wapiti River calls. However, man, when we talk to our listeners and we tell people, man, if this call, if, if a Phelps, uh, fits your mouth better because of the size of the frame, if you're more comfortable with a native by Carlton because that tape is like has a whole different feel on top of it, you know, if you like the adjustment of the primos, you know, there's a lot of calls out there. We yeah. use things that we believe in and that we like. Yeah. But we want people to be successful, whether it's with our grinder, whether whether it's with his Wapiti River calls. You know, we always want, and this is one reason that me and Travis did this together, because he was not the person that said, um, I want you exclusively to, exclusively to be Wapiti River. And he could have done that, but that wasn't how he was, you know. I mean, this guy goes to seminars and... 
He hands call, and this is what's so cool. He has a bag of calls, all the same ones, and he has everybody grab a diaphragm call out of it. He reaches in, gets one of the new calls, the same one that they're getting, and starts doing his seminar with that. It's nothing that he's broken. It's nothing that he's worked, anything like that. He just does this with his calls. And to me, that's transparent. That's genuine. And, you know, uh, people are going to have different likes and dislikes. That's awesome. Whatever works for you. And all that we do on this show, when we talk to all y'all out there, we are not the experts on, like, I guarantee you on every piece of gear, <laughs> you know, uh, definitely like arrows, bows, and different things, right. and even strategies and techniques. We have things that we do our way. That doesn't mean it's the only way. And you're going to find yeah. that out tonight because it's going to be a whale of a show because you're going to get a free seminar from Mr. Travis O'Shea tonight. So you're going to hear some of his things. I'm going to share some stuff. The boys are going to share some stuff. We're going to talk about different things that are going to happen. Um, as far as when you're out there, we're going to do some scenarios. We need to start rocking into this, man. Travis, thank you, buddy. <laughs> Let's get going with this. Thanks, guys. Absolutely. <laughs> and you said, Joe, that the Grinder Series call call series will be available next Monday, correct? Correct. The ninth. May ninth. May. May ninth. Yes, That's sir. Fantastic. Yep. Joe, well, let's get this party started and head over to our Elk Bros mailbox. What do you say? Yeah, because this way Travis can help this out. And just for our people listening out there, the first one's from Stephen Bullard out of Phoenix, Arizona. And Stephen says, first off, guys, love the show. But where's Bonanno been? <laughs> studying for the ball. You don't need we to read the next part. part. Yeah. Yeah, you, like, you don't need to read the next part. is missing, LOL. What? Uh, <laughs> I like this, dude. And he's got it wrong. the chief counsel officer, and we need him to pass the bar, so we leave him in the <laughs> room. Hey, he says, here's my real question. He says, I have friends that say elk won't rut when it's hot. That's why they're not bugling on the hot days. Whatever. But from listening to you, I don't think that's the case. So the question is, can hot weather delay the rut and cause elk to breathe? Can I, can I intervene real quick? Yes. <laughs> he recognizes his question was not real. Because he said, where has Manano been? Our meeting, our leader is missing out. And then he said, here's the real question. <laughs> so he did recognize that question well, wasn't, wasn't real. real. <laughs> All right, I'm just, you know, I rest my case. We can go with the, you know, less important stuff. Uh, hey, so up there in Canada, man, um, <clears throat> I, I'm going to let you have a, the first shot at this. Sure. So what I think of that, because uh, we, we go through the whole gamut. August, it's it's awfully hot here as well, but then we do get the snowstorms and all that as well. So, I mean, we, we get hit with all that. I just think when those when those cows start dripping, those bulls they can smell it, and they're going to breed whether it's rain, shine, snow, in the mud, in the dry. It don't matter. I mean, and you know when they're coming in because those bulls early season, everybody hears those bulls just firing, firing, firing. Some of the cows are dripping. They can smell it, and they're putting their nose to them. And then once they do come into the full estrus, the bugling, have you noticed, it really quiets right down. That that bull that's going to be doing the, that breeding, he's got that cow penned up, and he's basically doing his thing with her. Yeah. And then, uh, so, yeah, I just think, honestly, once they start dripping, they're, they're, it could be August 20th, August 25th. It could be September 20th. Yeah, they have no way of 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 knowing when they're actually going to come into estrus. It just 
each one has their timeline and it happens. So uh, they're going to breed no matter what. I, I think we're all aligned with that answer, Joe. I mean, we that's yeah, kind of what we've been communicating all along, right? I've hunted yeah. them in my T-shirt and I've hunted them in four inches of snow uh, in the in the rut. So yeah. Um, yeah, and, well, it, and wished I could take more than my T-shirt off, but yeah. <laughs> blind everybody in the world. No, we're we're glad you don't, bro. We're glad you don't. Yeah. <laughs> but elk yeah. are going to do elk things, no matter what, man. Uh, yeah. If 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 that cow comes in estrus, then those bulls are going to breed. And what yeah. people don't realize is the reason all of that screaming is going on is because those satellite bulls are vying for their opportunity because that bull can only breed that cow and then he's got to move off and another bull is going to come in and breed that cow. Now I will say, I think the hot weather, I think the hot weather does make the elk uh, be more active in Times where it's real early in the morning or real late in the evening, right? I do think that'll make them more active where you can get to them a little easier in those times. I think they'll stay down later and move up <clears throat> earlier, you know, depending on, uh, depending on where you're at, right? So I think yeah. that can affect how you get on them, whether they're going to rut or not, ain't got nothing to do with it. They coming, right? As soon as they smell them, uh, like he's, like Travis said, when they start dripping, they're going to be on them, you know, but again, where their movements normally not in Canada, cause y'all don't have as much up and down as where we hunt, yeah. but they move up and down here uh, with the thermals. And, and also in that higher country, it's got more timber. So it's cooler all the time and they won't get out of that timber until later when it's real hot like that because that they want to stay up there out of the bugs and it's just it's 25 degrees cooler up there on rc and and gilbert what i try to tell people is those elk are no different than you are you know if it's hot you don't want to be standing out in the sun no you're going to get into the trees, man, and they're the same way. They're, they're going to get into the trees. So the reason a lot of times people aren't hearing them is when you have bulls in the early they're morning and stuff and they're out in the open, that stuff echoes out. Once they get into those trees and they get over those ridges, those sounds start disappearing, man. They get muffled and stuff yeah. like that. So Especially if you get some wind. Yeah. You know, you, you can be real close to them and wind's blowing hard and you can't hardly hear them, you know. Yep. Yeah. I remember when Jeremy Christopherson killed his bull. I mean, we were 135 yards from them, wind blowing 45 miles an hour out of the north, and we never heard those bulls till we actually saw them popped out of some jack pines, and there they were. They were out there fighting and carrying on their 45 head elk there, but we never heard those bulls until we got inside 100 yards of them. You know, and they were going off like crazy, fighting like you wouldn't believe and bugling. But, you know, with that wind and they were in a big spot, too, in the back of a pocket in a big in a big area. And I mean, we weren't hearing them because of the wind, you know, and and so all of that know. makes terrain, wind, all of that makes a difference in whether you're hearing them or not. The the day I, I killed that bull that's right here on the wall, Joe and I, we we'd went about five miles and just couldn't get on them we hear them every now and then hear them every now and then and we went over one ridge piled over that ridge and it was on like donkey kong i mean bulls blowing up everywhere we're like man we were just up a a ridge over and we weren't hearing anything nothing we piled off that ridge down into another one and it was absolutely 
bulls going nuts in there with some hot cows, you know? So you just gotta be, you gotta be that hot weather is going to make you try to hunt the elk a little different because of the way they move, you know? And there's going to be a lot of variables too, man. And just remember that the rut is not an overall phenomenon. It happens in the areas where, where cows come in heat, man. And it's going to, a lot of things on how active those bulls are and how aggressive and, and how much they sound off is going to depend on how many bulls there are per cows. They're going to depend on age class. It's it's going to be a lot of reasons for how much they sound off. So, um, that's some of that. Uh, but. And scientifically, Joe, it's the equinox that draws them closer to the, to them going into heat, right? Right. Yeah. And, but the, you know, the there's going to the be day, some that come in earlier, different age groups of those cows, yeah. and there's different reasons of, yeah. you know, whether or not they've had good feed, whether or not they've had, you know, it's been a dry year. A lot of those, you know, like in deer, we have deer in this area that they won't, Variables. they won't drop fawns, man, when it's a drought. So, uh, you know, there's natural mm-hmm. things that are in these animal systems to be able to do that. So, uh, a great question yeah. though, Stefan, man. I hope, I think we've cleared Absolutely. that one up. Uh, Chav, won't you take Aaron's? Okay. Uh, this question comes from Aaron Turner from Detroit, Michigan. And he is asking, I'm a first time elk hunter and working on my, uh, is that gear? That should be gear. Yeah. Yeah. Gear needs. Gear my question, needs. Yeah. my question is about coolers to hold an elk on a hunt. I have friends that say I need a Yeti 250 for a whole elk, but that is a high cost item for my budget. Do I really need something that big? Are there other alternatives? How can I bring home an elk without breaking the bank? Thanks for any help. So the size, the size is needed. The brand is not. <laughs> right. Yeah. You want a 150 quart cooler, you know, something that size. I mean, uh, I can just about put one bull, a good sized bull in a 150 and a 120. So you need about 270 quarts to put, uh, a boned out, big, mature bull. And, and then you need another cooler for your cape. Yeah. If you're going to cape him and stuff like that, you need another cooler for you. I, I bring four coolers for me that are in the 120 to 150, uh, quart size. Uh, invariably somebody might need another cooler or whatever. I have them available. So I bring them in. Mine are igloos. So I've had igloos for a long time. Yeah. I just keep yeah. replacing the parts on them. And I have one Arctic, yeah. uh, for one Arctic roto mode. <laughs> yeah. For keeping ice. And, and then eventually I put most of my meat in that. Arctic it doesn't cooler. have to be a jetty, a jetty, I guess is no. that, that's and, the answer. And let me tell right? you something about a 250, man. That's even even That's getting awesome. to a 160, right? Yeah. I mean, Heavy. that 250 is 70 pounds on its own, man. I mean, <laughs> it. And you start throwing ice yeah. and you put some meat in it. If you're Get buying 300 yourself, pounds of meat in it, you better yeah, not plan on getting it out of the truck. Number one, you know, and <laughs> we like yeah. our, our coolers under something shaded, and yeah. I mean it'll. It, you'll rip a groin, man, trying to get that thing out. <laughs> yeah. Definitely. Yeah. They're fantastic for ice. If you charge, if you charge that cooler right, 
and, and keep it cracked where it drains the water off. That ice will stay a long time. But w- like Joe said, we push all our coolers up under some furs or whatever just to keep it in the shade. And we'll build us a little lean-to that keeps all our coolers in the shade to try and cut down on on that ice melting. But, yeah, you're going to need about 270 quarts on a big bull, even deboned, man. That's a lot of meat. Yeah, yeah I, no I, I have deboned one and put it in my 160, and, and I didn't purchase that 160 yet. That was a gift to me, <clears throat> yeah. uh, and I, I treasure it, man, because that's a high dollar. I think that's like a $700 cooler right now. You talk yeah. that 250, I think you're talking a grand for yeah. that, right? Um, <clears throat> I've got 150-quart Arctic, and, and I can't. I, I couldn't put a whole, that whole bull last year I killed in uh, Colorado. Oh, really? So, I mean, no, not with the amount of ice that I wanted on him. Right, so right. So I had to use my other 120 to, to finish it off. So I could have, I could have put, I probably didn't need 120, probably need another 70 quarts. Yeah, you know? I, that's but what I agree on that. That's why I said. And, and I, I like to do it, you know, I always like to have one that I just have filled with ice and just let it stay iced down and, and, uh, until we, kill an animal and then we work it that way what about you well, we kind of like that we kind of have like to have a little libation too so we need <laughs> what do you have travis yeah well we're pretty lucky up here we're where i hunt honestly it's it's well it's it's cooler but you still got to be quick in that meat out but we're pretty close to all the towns and cities around here where i hunt that we can get it to a meat locker like that day Okay. Uh, you know, you got two or three buddies helping you pack stuff out on your pack frames and mm-hmm. get it to the truck and just get it to the to the locker right away. Um, I've seen some people do that too, where they actually take some tarps, you know, put their quarters on top of the tops tarps in the back of the truck and create their own little mini cooler, you know, um, yeah. just using tarps, you know, on that with ice. So. There's yeah. things that you can do, but yeah, dude, you don't need a Yeti 250. And there's, there's even <clears> some of those out there. The, those Arctics are out there. There's, there's different ones. Coleman has some great ones, you know, that are out there for, for less and shop around. There's different times of year. When things get, yeah. yeah. Don't go to the big name stores cause you'll never get a, a deal. Mm-hmm. On one, yeah. No, you, know? you can get some good. Like I said, I, I've got a couple of igloos that are five day coolers that are really good, man. Yep. The big thing with them is, you know, their parts and they're readily accessible. You're going to bust some hinges and this, that and other. But, you know, I usually replace all my hinges on my igloos with leather and then you don't ever have that problem. You know, they last five or six years on that leather and, um, you know, making a good seal. That's a really good thing with your cooler. And, and then, uh, but the, yeah, if you, if you manage where you put it, you know, I remember two years ago, Joe, we, we were trying not to freeze everything because it was 17 degrees and uh, snow like crazy. We were using snow, putting it in the cooler, you know, so um, trying yeah. to not have things freeze, you know. That's where we're lucky. We can use a lot of the snow as well. And yeah. and there's actually a, there's a new cooler on the market that's called a White Rock, which some of my buddies have actually. Uh-huh. And like, you know, on the Yetis, the inside, you lose a lot of that space-wise because it's so mm-hmm. thick. Right. On, yeah. on, on their coolers, I noticed that inside portion is drastically different. The outside of the cooler is a little bit bigger, but the inside is actually that full 150, 160 quart that you're talking. Mm-hmm. Right. So I have noticed they, they've gone to that one. And I honestly wouldn't know what the prices are because I don't have one, but they're probably going to be quite a bit cheaper than what the yeti would be for sure Travis, wouldn't any cooler i mean if they say 160 quart the inside has to be able to handle 160 doesn't it 
Yeah. Uh, possibly, yeah. I'm not sure on that, honestly. Yeah. It that would, could be. You could do two 125s and have enough. Yeah. Yeah. Or or even two 100s, man. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, we've done it that way. And we've done it with – and we've always done it just with igloos. I mean, we – you know, we find them for $80 a piece on sale and, yep. you know uh, – uh, you don't have to worry about stuff like that. And RC, you showed me years ago, man, the the leather trick on the back side of that. So, <laughs> yeah, you Works bet. Good. Works yeah. good. Well, guys, you know what time it is. It's shout time out. for the Elk Road shout out. Shout if you're new out. to our show, this is just shout out to a few cities topping our charts this week, Joe. Yep, and first we're going to thank those folks giving us those incredible reviews on Apple Podcasts. Trayson Smith. From Preston, Idaho, says that we have amazing content and entertainment. I like Tracing, man. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I don't know about the amazing content, but I think we're, we can be entertaining a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> Colby Shaw, Moorhead City, North Carolina. Colby sent in because Colby said we gave a shout-out to a town that was just down the road from him. I think it was Hubert. Hubert, North Carolina, last time. Okay. So he said that's just right down the road. And uh, Saxon, and Saxon, I hope you say your last name right. It's either Kunsis or Kunkis. I'm not sure. Uh, I apologize. My name, my last name is either Jillia, Giglia, Guglia, whatever. <laughs> so it's Saxon's out of Arizona. He really sent in a cool review. And uh, it was really, really nice, some of the things that he said. And But he also said that um, – that our first time hunter guests and stories were some of the best things that he's heard on any podcast. So he really liked when we brought first time hunters in that had been hunting out there because he felt like he learned a lot from people that were learning for the first time out, you know, you so it's, you know, it's kind of like when we have Manano, you know, here, it's like, <laughs> you know, it's <laughs> waiting on Manano. So Travis on the, on the shout outs, man, why don't you give, why don't you start mm-hmm. us out? Yeah, so uh, everybody knows I'm from Grand Prairie, Alberta. So we are known here for a little bit of dinosaur finds, uh, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Grand, Grand Prairie is also called the, the Trumpeter Swan City uh, because back in the day when it was just getting started, they seen a couple Trumpeter Swans out there. So they were like, hey, let's call it the Swan City. So Sweet. that's kind of how the name came about. And uh, I'll stay on the boxing side of it. Back in the 80s, we had a, a local boy. Uh, he was a football player from on the Grand Prairie football team. He went on to win, in 1984, he went on to win the silver medal, silver medal in the Olympics, uh, wow. fighting for Canada. And uh, if you guys follow boxing at all, in that same era, that was the big Mike Tyson era. Mm-hmm. So <clears throat> Willie DeWitt... Um, fellow that got the second he actually went and he fought uh bert cooper which um cooper. It, yeah you've heard of boot Cur- boot cooper bert cooper yes, um he was the first uh person to ever knock down evander holyfield right evander evander went on to win that fight as you probably know gilbert but um that shows the caliber that Willie Dewitt was right from my hometown of grand prairie so really pretty cool. dang impressive <laughs> and i mean Back then, our population was probably in the 80s. I'm guessing it was probably 28 to 30,000. Now we're up to about 67,000. So, oh, wow. Growing yeah. up. Did that boy have to fight yep. his way through school? How did he get to be so? <laughs> well, rumor has it. I, 
they play he hockey. Was, he, like, yeah, 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 they fight in hockey all the time. Oh, but yeah. Has it, he was just, uh, he was doing, I believe, a book report for school because he was in high school at this time <laughs> when he was on the, on the football team. And then from the book report or essay he had to do, he went on to start training and then became this awesome fighter. Just Absolutely. It just happened out of the blue. I don't think he even planned on it, uh-huh. and it just happened, right? So, <laughs> Well, well cool, you know man. the mad Canadian Steve Tucker that hunts with us uh, periodically and has hunted with us. RC's been with him. Joe's been <clears> with him. <throat> the mad Canadian, man, when he first started working for Marathon, he would come in and I would – call on them. I was a salesman every one of my accounts and I'd walk in there and his eyes be all black and blue, (laughs) nose swole up, you know, big knots on his head. And I'm like, what in, and he's a big lad, dude. I mean, he's a big guy, six, three, you know, probably two Oh five now, but back then he was probably pushing two eighty five. I mean, he's a big dude. And I'm like, man, what what was that Mack truck that ran into you? He goes, oh, you ought to see that other song. Well, you know, he's like, <laughs> man, he goes, I play hockey when I leave work. And, man, those guys tune me up. And everybody. I said, well, because you're such a nice guy and you don't run your mouth and all that, yeah. I'm sure. He goes, yeah. He goes, man, I'm telling you, in hockey, we like to throw down, you know. I'm from Canada. We like to fight. You know? <laughs> Tucker's a maniac, bro. And now he's a he's a – uh, Iron Man, bro. Yeah. Crazy, crazy guy. Awesome, man. Love the well, dude. Yeah, good person. Yeah. And now Willie Duet, he's since gone on from his boxing career. I believe, uh, he's, uh, a lawyer or a judge in Calgary, Alberta now. <laughs> yeah. Hey, so I mean, handle that courtroom. <laughs> exactly. Yes. Okay. Uh, this week's number one top listening city is snuggled in Colorado's Vale Valley in the heart of the Rocky Mountains. A small town near the famous ski resort and the town of Vail. Besides great skiing in the winter, it offers superb fly fishing, horseback riding, and hiking throughout the valley and surrounding hills. This quaint town is located at the confluence of Lake Creek and Eagle River. And for our elk grinders, 82% of this city's county is national forest or BLM land. And this is in Edwards, Colorado. Edwards, Colorado. Cool. Edwards, Colorado. Yep. Always good to have our brothers from Colorado showing up, Joe. You know, one thing I loved about Colorado, when they talk about national forests and, and public land, is you go to Colorado and you get in a national forest, you can camp any doggone where you want. I mean, you just you can. pull off the road and camp, man. Right there. So, yep. yep, right there. It's and they awesome. do. And they do. And they do for sure. They bring buses. They bring (laughs) Winnebago's. They bring, you name it. I saw a Prevost motor coach up there. And Tash Mahal's. And Tash Mahal's. Mahal's. They they sure do. Fancy horse trainers. Yes, yes, sir. I ain't knocking that. I ain't knocking that. That's for sure. Joe, this next city is known as the tournament capital of Canada. This city hosts more than 100 tournaments each year at world-class sports facilities. These facilities include the Tournament Capital Center, Kamloops Bike Ranch, and Tournament Capital Ranch. It has the highest number of golf courses per capita in Canada. The city is located in and around rolling grasslands, sandstone slot canyons, hoodoos, and lots of sagebrush. It's also home to award-winning wineries in the Thompson Valley in Kamloops, British Columbia, Canada. 
Kamloops. <laughs> you, so what is a what is a hoodoo, Travis? So uh, up on the sides of the hills where the water has eroded, uh-huh. <clears throat> it basically makes like stalactite type things, I guess, uh-huh. on the side of the hill. They're just they're just called uh-huh. the hoodoos. It's all eroded Jeez. soil and it left the rock and stuff behind. Oh, oh man, huh. yeah, they're pretty cool to yeah, see, actually. Yeah. yeah, it's like it's like that tent city outside of Santa Fe. Oh, okay. Oh, Around tent rocks, like tent rocks yeah. out there. Huh? Yeah. Right. Tent rock, yeah. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. This next top listening city is the gateway to many natural and man-made attractions for outdoor enthusiasts. Among the many attractions on the Appalachian Range include the Courthouse Vanalesca Memorial, the Chenoa River, the Tale of the Dragon Scenic Drive, and Fontana Dam, the highest dam east of the Rockies, the Cherohola Skyway, and the Joyce Kilmer Forest. A favorite place to eat in this area is T-Dub's Barbecue Shack, which is literally a shack with great food. And that's in Robbinsville, North Carolina. Robbinsville in the house. Carolina's showing up again, man. Yeah. Sweet. East Coast Brothers. Yep. North Carolina. We get a lot of them here lately. The location of this town is the end of the infamous Trail of Tears. Relocation of the Muscogee? Indian That's tribe, is that right? Yeah, Kogi Indian, Indian tribe. Kogi Indian tribe from Alabama in the 1800s. It is also the home of award winner Rolf Blaine, who wrote more than 700 songs for movies and Broadway, and directed the Disney World Christmas Chorus. This town is also home to Oklahoma Joe's and owner Joe Davidson who holds the title of world champion barbecue pit master, the best barbecue chef in the world. Oh. Broken Arrow, Oklahoma. Broken Arrow. Broken Arrow, right outside Ooh. of Tulsa. That's something I don't do. I don't do Broken Arrows, bro. <laughs> <laughs> broken Arrows was one of the coolest little towns, man. It's right outside of Tulsa. We play ball twice a year in Broken Arrow, Oklahoma. So have you ever been to Oklahoma Joe's? Absolutely. Really? And Oklahoma Joe's a bunch. You bet. Yeah, yep, yeah. they got one there in Stillwater and all over. Are, are you scheduled to go to any of those places anytime soon, dude? Yeah, I'll be there in Ju- I'll be there June eighth through twelfth, <laughs> and uh, June twenty eighth through twenty sixth through. Uh, yeah, that's the exact weekends we're at Mountain Archery Fest, right? I know. I, that, I right? know. I know. <laughs> <laughs> so, dude, you need to package up some of that barbecue and, and, and hook <laughs> and, me a chav up, man. And ship it over there to you, brother. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and oh, we'll yeah. be with RC, so we can all three enjoy that, man. Right, RC? That's right. <laughs> <laughs> it won't make it, Joe. You know I'm going to eat it. <laughs> I got to, if I got to tote it and smell it, it ain't making it all the way. Yeah. Hey, Joe, so quick English lesson for the uh, foreigner here. So choir and chorus. A choir, a choir um, and, and chorus can be the same thing, basically. Yeah, but one's got an eye in it. <laughs> chorus don't have no eye in it, Joe. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Okay. There's your uh, English lesson, uh, boys. And I got yeah, to teach the, geometry and English. Yeah. <laughs> and nobody knows what a circle is, and nobody knows how to spell around here. <laughs> you, always, you always hear that you're in a church choir, but you're in a school chorus. Yeah, I, I, yeah. I don't have any idea why. 
but may, maybe the Lord thinks more of. <laughs> I got lots of questions for him when I get there, Joe. <laughs> they say they'll all be answered, so I'm glad of that. Joe, the next city is dubbed the cowboy capital of the world, and I bet Mr. R.C. Knox would would have uh, maybe a little uh, stipulation with that. But this is deemed the cowboy capital of the world, and also the dairy capital of Texas. Our next top listening city is the home of the Tarleton State University with a student population of 14,000 and fields a rodeo team that has won seven national championships. Seven? Seven national championships. Mm. It was originally part of the Comanche Empire and the local Cotto tribe. Among the local celebrities are Philadelphia Eagles quarterback Kevin Cobb and Kings of the Cowboys, Mr. Ty Murray, and pop singer Jewel. In none other than where Logan's going to go to college here in just a few uh, oh, really? months in Stephenville, Texas. Stephenville. Oh, hey, yeah. All right, man. Stephenville, Texas, man. Oh, you're uh, shipping him out, huh? Well, I mean, you know, that's, that <laughs> looks like where he's going to go to engineering school. So, yeah, he's still got a few months here, but. Yep, I mean that's a they got a real good fishing team there, Joe, and you know the boys eat up with that fishing just like somebody else I knew. Yes, he uh, is. So he uh that's what he wants to do. He wants to go fish and you know study some engineering. He, you know his hero is Luis Gonzalez, so Luis is got him. <laughs> he can do he can do way better than that, bro. <laughs> All right, boys, here we go, man. Main content tonight, um, Absolutely. and hey. Is everybody out there? You ready for an elk calling seminar? Uh, because what wait. we're about to do right now is this whole content is going to be on elk calling and season strategies here. And, uh, so, um, you're the one up on the, you know, we're, we're all going to contribute to this here. So don't feel like you have to do everything for us out here, brother. Um, but we really like to, I mean, give you a chance to shine. Um, you do this all the time up north up there. In fact, you were just at the, at the BC, uh, outdoor show just recently, yep. seminars up there. And, uh, and so this will probably be the, cheapest seminar these guys will ever get of a travis o'shea seminar right yeah (laughs) absolutely that's right so let's get started with it and so travis i'm gonna i'm just gonna get the ball rolling and a lot of people when they when they get out there or when they talk to people that do calling they they ask them things like um what are, are first of all are you a and they always do this are you a cow oriented you know a cow call oriented or are you bull call oriented um or does that change do you have you know what and basically what is your personal strategy with that well me um i roll with the punches whatever the the situation dictates but for the most part honestly i'm a bugler like i i don't know if i just love hearing myself bugle or (laughs) or what it is but i love bugling and not just location bugles, like advertising bugles, low note bugles, chuckles, moans and groans. Like the calling you hear at the world, those are big fancy calls. But when you're actually out in the bush, I'm using like 
elk tone type calls. So grab a hold do. of that diaphragm because when you say these, <clears throat> we're going to let people understand what that. Yeah. So can you show them the difference? But can you show them the difference between what you would use in real hunting scenario versus a world calling championship scenario? Yeah. So in a, in a world championship call, you'd use the big fancy lip balls and all that stuff, which we do when we're out hunting a little bit, but not a whole lot. Mostly you just give them like a basic advertising bugle or one or two note location bugle. Um, for those that don't know, location bugle and an advertising bugle, they're pretty much the same. Right. Just the advertising bugle is a little bit shorter and you got more growl on the end. So, so let's, let's hear what these are like. I'll show a little uh, location first. Okay. And mind y'all, he's using the Elk Bros grinder. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So that's just a location bugle. Just go up, hit one or two notes. It don't really matter. And then the advertising bugle, at the end, you can either throw your voice in or you can throw a little bit of lip ball in. I like to just use my voice because we can all do that easily. It just, yeah, exactly. So you hear the difference there, eh? Absolutely. Advertising quite a bit shorter. Uh, than the location bugle. Then if you want to do the lip ball, that's where you're yeah, sputtering before, your lips. Before you do that, Trav, what is the difference in uh, the elk world between that? Yeah, one? yeah. What are you advertising? Yes. Yeah. yeah. Basically, if you're advertising calling, you're calling basically to all the cows. You're trying to bring all the cows. He'll be going, if you're advertising, I'm, I'm moving along a ridge somewhere, usually at point A, point B, and I'll go back and forth like 50, 60 yards and I'll bugle down off the hill into the bowl this side. Then I'll bugle down off the hill on this side. And so basically, the bull just, is basically saying, hey, I'm a bull. I'm right here. Come to yeah. me. Yeah. Because if you can – where we are, if you can call the cows over, the bulls are going to be like the puppy dog just following along, right? They're, they're wagging their tail. They're just They're just following the cows. So how is that different from the message of a location bugle? So location bugle, you're just basically reaching out there, testing the waters to see if there's any other elk that might be out there. Yeah. So what I call it, location bugle is just basically saying, hey, guys, I'm Trav. Is there anybody out there? And basically that's what I think a location is. And if there is a bull out there, he's going to say, hey, Trav, I'm over here with his location bugle back. Yeah. So. And if he chuckles, that's an invitation. Come on over yep, here, boy. Absolutely. Absolutely. If you, any chuckling is, is good. That's what you want. They're, and, he's and inviting what, you right over. What people need to understand is is that that location bugle, when, people, when bulls respond back, it's because they want not only for that other bull that they know there, but if there are cows in between them, it's like it's almost a sense of an advertising. It's like, yeah, I'm here yep. too. You know, and they are yeah. social critters. Hey, honey. <laughs> yeah. And and actually, hey, girlfriend, when, when y'all don't bull, go nowhere yet. <laughs> when a bull sounds yeah. off and they like and they respond back, it's because they understand there's a possibility of other elk being there, and they want to head towards those other elk. So they do the same thing we do. We're trying to get them to sound off just so they can go that way, right? Yeah. And yeah. When you yeah. get that. When you get that advertising bugle, you can hear more of that voice in there because now they're demonstrating a little bit to those cows that that yep. you know, hey, I'm I'm a pretty decent bull over here. Come on, yeah. right? Okay, yeah. that's right. Okay. Yeah, because the cows are the ones that choose who Absolutely. they're going to breed with in, in in the ultimate end. So, 
Yep. Yeah. Now, so what would, so what, in that scenario, in that scenario, what would it look like when you're at a elk calling championship instead of those basic bugles like you did just then? What would it look like? <clears throat> so there you'd probably use more of a fancier type, uh, a lip ball or three tone. <laughs> more commercial yeah you'd be more commercial and i mean you can use that stuff out in the bush too but honestly because a lot of our bulls the the bulls in our range are probably four and a half to six years old that get shot most of the part so that's going to be three points to five small six points stuff like that you start screaming a big lip ball challenge bugle or roundup bugle at them like that they Man, they're, off, they want none of that. They're going the other way. They, <laughs> you can have the girls. I'm out of here. <laughs> you know, I took that so. ass whooping before. I ain't talking <laughs> yeah. again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. When, when you call those bulls and you look at their rear end and they got their hair is all splayed everywhere, right? Because they've been, <laughs> they've been getting it, man. <laughs> and you talked about some other bull sounds. Yeah, basically, uh, so the sounds I really like to go to are the low note type bugles and the moans and groans. Money that type right of there. stuff, right? That's straight pleading, man. <laughs> yeah, yeah, straight. And I want people to to understand that you hear the you hear that that tone and that growl in there. It's just Travis, just with that, yeah, doing that, right? Yeah, it it has that bull pleading though, man. That's when he's really emotional, you know. But yeah, bringing that emotion in. Yeah, when you're just you have that sound. All you got to yeah. do is add. Yeah, you just add that growl Burbers, to it. Yeah. It's yeah. just that voice adding to it is all it is. And what people need to realize is there's no right or wrong way. Of just let the call roll and just kind of be smooth with it. You know, put your emotion into it. Use your body. Use your diaphragm. Just get into it. And the more emotion you can put into your calling by throwing your voice and stuff, the more realistic that stuff sounds. Hey, the more it translates to the call. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, like you hear someone do it right, and you got goosebumps and the hair on your arms standing mm-hmm. up, and you're like, "Dude, like you just <laughs> did that? Like, yeah. where did that come from?" So yeah, 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 that happens to Joe every time I call. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> absolutely. absolutely. Yeah. I, I sense that. <laughs> but at the same time, people are, and, and I want our audience to understand: you're listening to Travis again, a world class caller. You do not have to be a world-class caller to call in elk, man. In fact, nope. uh, we say it all the time. Some of the it's worst simple. calls I've ever heard in my life were from right. elk, right? Mm-hmm. So it's it's really Absolutely. knowing what and when and, and whatever you're pushing that, getting that button push with, you want to use that. So we, we talked about you said that you're more of you like to bugle, you're bugle-oriented, but yeah. there's different variables that happen like – early season, you know, yep. transition, later season. So mm-hmm. what are some of the variables that you come across that determine your call selection and strategy? 
So basically, uh, what I can say to that, the, the very first day I go out, August 25th, that's the opener of, of our archery season, uh-huh. I'll literally, I'll hunt an area that I've scouted. I mean, I know there's, there's elk there. You can smell them. You walk in on the game trails. You're stepping in the green, fresh poop. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's green. Like they're eating all the clover. You know it's fresh. I mean, if you picked it up, it would be warm still. Um, so we know there's elk there. Yeah. That's that's the one time where I actually use cow calls. I'll literally slip into my little area, and because I've scouted it, I know, kind of know where the elk are going to be at that time. But you're still got to go in. You got to search the area still. So that's where I'll get in. I'll hike in, and then I'll I'll be standing literally right on the game trail. If you're with a buddy or whatever, make sure he's not shuffling his pack around and stuff like that, making noise. Just let out one nice, crisp little little cow mew. Mm-hmm. Just a simple little cow mew, just like that. And basically just wait. If there's a bull there, he's going to bugle back because he's sensing, okay, he heard a cow, he's going to bugle. And from there on, that's where I play the little bit of a waiting game. I'll, I'll literally wait five, six, seven minutes before I say anything else back to him. The reason I want to do that, the second time you give that cow mew, the second time you do that, now you know, has that bull came towards you? Is he still in the same spot where he bugled from? Or is he moving away, going to like a bedding area or something like that, or going to get water before he goes to bed down? So by waiting that five minutes you've already figured out the pattern of that bull and what he's doing. You know, if he's coming, man, you better start setting up right away. And you'll hear branches and stuff crackling because they're, they're not quiet. He's coming in. You got to realize this first day, it's he's the dumbest that those elk will ever be in the whole season. So make sure you're out there the first day. Like, I hear guys say, oh, I'm going to miss the first week no matter what. They, they don't talk. They don't do anything. Whatever. Man, I'm telling you, they're missing out big time. Like the last two, three years, four years, we've had an elk down by 7.30 a.m. on the first opening morning. It's gold, man. Just you got to go out there, just throw out a couple cow sounds and pay attention to what's going on because that's where most guys fail. They they hear the bugle and they start going to him right away. I mean, you got to just be patient. Is he coming to you? Is he going away? Is he staying there? Well, if he's staying there, he's probably got some cows. Cows, yes. You know what I mean? So, and especially if he's chuckling too, he's chuckling to those cows to keep his cows there. So you know right away. He tells yeah, right. to come on, come on. Yep. There's, there's other things yep. I've seen during that time, though, Travis, that sometimes they don't come to you because not because they're with cows, but they're bachelored up with five other bulls at the same yep. time as well. Yep, so, yep. And then we've seen all five of them come. Yeah. Yeah. You get the right And now the other thing, too, is, is bulls also respond to that cow mew that early in the season with a mew. I've had that happen yeah. as well. Yeah, absolutely. Bull mew. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. Yeah, when we called all them five bulls in, Joe, they were all bull mewing as they were running up. You know, they were yeah. like, where in the heck's that cow? He doesn't hurt Joe. You know, we kind of put on a little scenario there, and those bulls come running in like a, like I said, like, like a bunch of dumb yeah. animals, man. They come well, looking there looking for us all. Yeah. They were all bull mewing. 
2018, it was September 2nd. Uh, it was uh, the second day of the hunt, and uh, Chav and I had two bulls down on the ground the first day of our hunt by 10 o'clock. Two bulls archery season on the ground by 10 o'clock at the beginning. That's insane. <laughs> it, it, it was unbelievable. It was a it was the most crazy thing ever. But yeah, and what can the happen? The first day I hunted would go ahead, Joe. It, it what happened with that is we actually had a bull that decided to start speaking up, and and things escalated from there. We gave him what he wanted, but we've also I've had a bull that I killed at. I don't know, 12 yards that never bugled at all and came in with three other bulls. And mm -hmm. all you could hear them doing was bull mews as they came in. Mm -hmm. So, you know, you can get – and the other response you can get is they can say nothing at nothing. all and just rake trees yeah. and come into you at the same yeah. time as well. So there's all kinds of responses that early that are not bugles necessarily. Right? Yeah. I One thing I have seen that first opening morning, if a bull does bugle back – Right away, it's telling me he's got cows. And the reason being, I feel like he's almost bragging, saying, <laughs> I got the girls. You don't got the girls. You know what I mean? So that's yeah. what I'm thinking. If he comes in silent, that's a bull that doesn't have cows. Right. And that's when you'll hear the sticks break. And then yeah. you'd be ready, man, because he's coming still. Because he heard that cow sound. He wants that girl, no matter what. <laughs> so yeah, that's on, what they're on, doing, man. They're on that topic, Mr. Travis... So here's a question. You know, you mentioned you're, you're, you like to bugle, right? But on that note, you know, some people may associate bugle with aggressiveness and, and we talk about being aggressive in the calling and not necessarily meaning that we're, you know, calling in an aggressive Display. manner. Yeah. Yeah. Right. yeah. Right. So, so, you know, the question to you would be is like, so, Lover versus a fighter, uh, even though you like to bugle, what do you prefer? Well, I'm, I always believe lover than fighter because yeah. <clears throat> they start really – every bull starts off really low, and then they, they build up, and they progress, yeah. and they progress. You, very rare you're going to have that bull that's just right in your face. I mean, it does yeah. happen once or twice a season. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. Uh, but for the most part – you got to ramp those bulls up, and it's just a progression. And it's him moving to you and you moving to him. And then, you know, you hear guys say it all the time, and guys say, well, you just mimic the bull, what he's doing, and you can follow. Honestly, you can follow his emotion as he's ramping himself up. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of how I go with it. Um uh, have you been listening to the Elf, Elf Bros for the last two years? Is that Travis, <laughs> <laughs> can you show can you show us a can you show us a bugle that that you that ha doesn't have emotion in it? Uh, a plain Jane bugle, and then one that's got emotion in it. So, okay. a lot of those bulls, when they do call back to you, will and they do have cows. They'll have some emotion in that, right? Like, okay, hey bud, I hear you out there especially if they're answering a bugle. I hear yeah. you out there, but um, don't come over here, right? I mean, this is, we're going to draw a line in the sand. And if you do, you can see that escalation, right? But there's yeah. there's definitely a bugle that don't have any, that doesn't have any emotion in it, right? So yeah. I, think our, I think our listeners would benefit in understanding what you mean by emotion in it, right? Yeah, and basically it's all in how you finish that call. 
right. you just hit one or two notes and you don't get real crazy with it, just just finish it off nice. This almost like think like a spike or a like three a point yeah, or yeah. yeah, a little dig pull, yeah. yeah okay. Basically and just yeah. and that's honestly the least amount of motion that you can probably be have and that's gonna be the honestly the easiest call for a beginner to learn on a read as well, too, right? Because there's nothing to it. You're just putting air across the diaphragm and letting the read do all the work. Because yep. the minute you start talking, okay, we'll throw your voice in and throw a lip ball in. Most guys are just it's way over their head already. Yeah, yeah. They they don't even realize they can. I mean, it changes the whole game. Just by doing that little bit of a, it changes the whole bugle. Well, and his attitude's changed too when you hear yep. that inflection. If no longer is he just not bothered by your presence, but now he is bothered by your presence. Well, you're That's, giving it more maturity as well. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, exactly. And now if you've broken a branch or if you've rigged mm-hmm. a tree or something, mm-hmm. while well, you're just up in that game just that much more again. Yep. So does Makes your strategy sense. does your strategy change, Travis, uh, through the season, or does it stay the same? Uh, it pretty much stays the same. Um, I will say, um, like the uh, aside from the first day when I'm going in and starting with just a couple cow calls, mm-hmm. that's the basic my easiest strategy. Where probably I got a buddy with me the first opening morning, and I really want to get him on a bull or something. That's what I'll go in and do. Myself, I do a lot of um, solo hunting. So while I'm hunting all through my whole life, while I'm hunting during the hunting season, I'm also scouting. And my favorite thing to look for is those solitary bedrooms. You know how the bulls, they're all in their bachelor groups all summer long. But then they split up. You know, they start rubbing their velvet. They split up. Those bigger bulls, they go into their little solitary bedroom, I call it. Mm -hmm. Exactly. And so that's when I'm walking all those game trails. I'm literally um, walking all the trails. I'm looking for every single rub and everything thing like that. Once you find that little area where it's every tree in that whole vicinity will be just thrashed. And I'm talking it's it's, the hole. it's it's a 30 or 40, 50-yard little circle. That's his bedroom. So when I start early season hunting, that's the first thing my mind goes to. Other than the first day cow calling with some buddies, getting them a bull. Once I start out on my own, my mind is going, okay, I have one, two, three, four, four or five different solitary bedrooms that I want to hit. And I'll hit one every morning. And I do that because, like I said before, they're the dumbest they're ever going to be. So you you put on your little ninja suit and you sneak in down those little game trails and just be ever so quiet. You get in there literally like you don't have to get very close to it. Like I stay back about 80 to a hundred yards, honestly. And then I'm just, I'll go in and I'll hit them with that little low note bugle. I'll throw one of those at him and then I'll wait about 30 seconds to a minute and then I'll go in with a little chuckle.
Grinders tuning in. Thank you for listening to the Blue Collar Elk Hunting Podcast. Our goal is to share our knowledge and help you flatten that learning curve so that you too can have some of the very same incredible experiences that have given all of us here at Elk Bros a lifetime of memories. If you like what you hear or see, you can get all of this information plus so much more from our Base Camp Elk Hunting Training Camp the first in a series of online courses from our Blue Collar Elk Academy. Our base camp training camp allows me to use my coaching style and share almost 40 years of elk hunting experiences successfully hunting elk on public lands as well as over 20 years guiding hunters of all ages and experience levels. This course will be like nothing you have ever experienced in concept and structure using success-based coaching techniques that will elevate your confidence and skill sets. Our camp will prepare you specifically from that final moment most in your control, those final minutes or seconds the elk is in front of you, backwards through each step and level, allowing you to see, visualize, understand, and relate every coaching point to what lies ahead the next step, the next thought process, the next success. Because y'all, you've already been there. You know what it looks like. By tapping my 30 years of teaching and coaching experience, our camps are developed considering multiple learning modes with text, visuals, audio, as well as video. And base camp will benefit those new to elk hunting all the way to the 10 to 15 year vet. So if you are looking for that one thing to help you fill that tag this year, invest in the most important piece of equipment there is. You and your elk hunting knowledge. You can find the Blue Collar Elk Hunting Academy and the Base Camp Training Camp at elkbros.com. That's E-L-K-B-R-O-S dot com. Keep dreaming of the screaming, believing and achieving, and most of all, keep grinding. And that's literally all you have to do. Now, just sit and wait, because that bull, he's going to come search you out, because he doesn't want you. Yeah, you've invited him. That's right. You invited him. Yep, yep. He doesn't want you near his bedroom. And like like Gilbert's saying, you just invited him with that chuckle. Mm -hmm. You're saying, come on over, big boy. Let's let's see who you are. Mm -hmm. And it honestly, it it works out awesome. I'm pretty lucky because I do scout and I have my bedrooms all picked out. Mm-hmm. And I'm telling you, once you've hunt, once you found those bedrooms, that's a bedroom for a different bull every year. So say you've killed yep. that bull, another bull is going to take over that bedroom. It's a There's deep a reason that they're there, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, they have water. They got food. They got all the trees in the world that they want to just destroy and get that velvet off. And mm-hmm. they're filling their oats, man. They wanna, they wanna, they wanna do some stuff. So, at what time of year do they disappear out of those traps? Um, usually, it's honestly, it's about the first week that I'm hunting those, and then they've already started to meander around and get into their advertising type stuff, and they're actually got two or three cows with him at that point already. So honestly, it's, I say they're probably only in that little bedroom for three, four, five days. And then once they really start feeling it, they're vacating that little bedroom and they're going looking for the ladies and they know where the ladies are because, you know, they they keep tabs on them. They smell Mm -hmm. them. Yep. So 
let's talk about then transition phase. So, and when I say that rut transition phase, I'm talking about exactly what you're talking about. And you'll see it early on where the young bulls will pick up the cows first, and then you end up with those big bulls because it ain't their first rodeo. So they're off in the wings, man. They're just shadowing out there. They're not expending any energy. They're just letting these young guys gather up the cows, Mm -hmm. right? Um, So what... How are you approaching that part of the season? So as I progress from <clears throat> hunting those those bedroom bulls, I'm pretty much going right into like the advertising type scenarios, the sequences, and how I do it. We have uh, the Saddle Hills here. It's it's kind of a, a mountain range that we hunt, and it's literally about 20 minutes to half an hour north of my house. And this range is, <clears throat> I believe it's like seven or eight miles wide. But then it goes all the way into the BC border, into the Rocky Mountains. So it's probably 80 to 100 kilometers long. And that's all, we call it crown land um, here. It's it's public land, basically. Anybody can hunt there. But it's all controlled by oil lease roads and logging is what it all is. So you have access literally to, I wouldn't, not the whole thing, but there's roads that crisscross. And we have cut lines like crazy everywhere. So how we kind of get in to do the advertising stuff, we'll get up on top of the hill, and first thing in the morning, we st- we still have to worry about the thermals and all that stuff. Uh, for those that don't know, wind direction is east and west usually. Thermals is up and down like a hot air balloon. So first thing in the morning, you got to really be careful because your, your cold air is going down the mountainside. So you got to be super careful. And how I like to do it, I don't start right at the top of the ridge. I'll drop down to that second ridge right below. Now you're kind of secluded. You're in that little bowl right below the top. And I'll literally set up there for the first hour, hour and a half. And what I'll do is I'll I'll just really start. You guys are familiar with fishing. So I'll fish the water that's right out in front of me yeah, first. Right. And that's how I do it. And I always start off with just a really light little chuckle because – you guys know it. If you do a chuckle, you're telling that bull to come up. Yeah, so. Right. That's all I do. I'm just literally fishing that water, hunting that water, hunting the bush right in front of me, you know? And it's that's like interesting the, because that's such a subtle chuckle the way you did it, mm-hmm. right? I mean, you yeah. know. When I'm I'm terrible at it, you know, and all these guys can tell you they they all laugh. They, I remember Joe telling bad, me when when I was trying to chuckle, bad. Joe was like, "Don't," <laughs> <laughs> you know. But you know the way you did it was just, just subtle, yeah. you know. Yeah. And and it, yeah, it sounds so natural. So you know, sometimes you know, and this is kind of cliche, but less is more, right? And I yeah. think I think you just a fine more example right. of just that, more you know. Right. Yeah. So. No one's probably taught you the proper way to to do a chuckle. So the chuckle is, it's a two-part call. So it's a, yeah, on your reed going out, and then it's your voice sucking in, okay? So it's a, and when you do it on a tube, you can hear the sound going out, but you hear the sound, the sucking coming in, right? Yeah, I've tried. Manano would be awesome <laughs> at the sucking part. Yeah. <laughs> now, Luis, you just got to be really careful because 
when you're when you're sucking no in that, that that sound there. Yeah, don't, you don't want to swallow that read. Don't don't swallow yeah. that read because you know what? <laughs> in the morning, that sucker's gonna sound like a turkey call coming out. <laughs> <laughs> so, Man, I like Travis, dude. Yeah, 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 yeah I just, sure. you know. Well, but That's you're awesome. hearing you're hearing Travis do it after he's worked and worked and worked. I for a lot of yeah. people, I think. If you just work on doing it a little slower, and there's yeah. actually oh, bulls yeah. that will even do it that way, it's more of a yeah, yeah, oh my gosh, yeah. yes. And yeah. so, I mean, yeah, some of them sound like a straight chimpanzee. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah. it's wild, man. Yeah, how they do it. Yeah, the first I time that. I heard, I I heard that. Um, you know, Joe, I don't know if you remember, but uh, Joe is like, did you guys hear anything? I don't know, man. I heard some. It's like a monkey, man. I, I it's probably some. Some per, Joe's eyes got this big. Like, get ready. <laughs> I was like, yeah, it sounded like a monkey, man. I, I can't be yeah. a bull. I was like, sure enough, that yeah, it was the first. So what would be your advice to a newcomer trying to learn a chuckle like that, man? Well, honestly, I would say, um. It's, it is, in my opinion, the most important call that anybody can know because you want to call those bulls and you want to call the call, the cows as well. It's an invitation to the bulls and an invitation to the cows. So if you want to really start upping your odds and calling lots of elk in, you have to learn that chuckle. And I mean, you don't have to do it Perfect. perfection. It doesn't have to be that. Just get that sound out there. So it's, you know, even if you can only do... If you can only do that, just do that. It's going to work. It's better than nothing. Because if you guys just stay stay absolutely silent, nothing's going to happen around you. Yeah, nothing's happening. So I I think that's such a great message, Travis, because, you know, mm -hmm. for some reason, us, like, you know, I I started – surrounded by guys that were freaking absolute experts at this and you know so yeah. good at it right and and you're just afraid to make any sound because yeah. you're like you know and then even when you're out out there by yourself in the woods there's like what if other hunters hear me you get that self-conscious and the, it just like psychologically you kind of yep. you beat yourself up again you know it's like and to your point, it's just, just like just make the sound. You know, it's yeah. it's better than nothing. And and sure. it's so sometimes it's so hard to get over that, right? And and yet yeah. once you do it, it's so simple. And then you when it's, you start seeing the effects, the results is like, oh my god, how come? It's, I had yeah. It's truly the reason the hoochie mama's been so effective. It's oh, one right. sound that's benign, and it's over yeah. and over. Yeah, It's I mean. How many bulls have died coming yep. into that hoochie mama? Well, you know? if you join that with some of your calling, it really becomes effective. And one thing I wanted to give to your point, Luis, is that I've been in situations where I had a bull coming in, and I would have a dink coming in from the side or a spike coming over there, and I'm trying to get rid of it by doing some calls at it that I'm like, it should go away, right? Yeah, and, he's just and, deep and oblivious. They're like, no, and the other bull, and here I'm doing this, and the other bull keeps coming in, even though I'm making yep. ridiculous calls to it. So that the point is is sometimes it doesn't matter to them because there's so many different voices and things that are going on. So Yeah, well, yeah. And, to, and again, you know, testament to that, too, I was there with you 
when um, you were making crazy continuous sounds and lots of them to uh, to try to distract the bull and uh, and really all that did was just bring more of them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, <laughs> you know, it's like yeah. what the heck? Yeah, like, they're coming into all they're this stuff. I mean, you're just making a freaking. I, you know, yeah, they want I to be that. around other elk and they're social creatures that yep. what's going on. You know, Joe and I they're hunted. They're curious six, too, man. Yeah, super curious. Joe and I hunted the first year without Chab a few years back. It was rough, but you know, we went out the first morning and first rattle out of the box, Joe, we like you, Travis, we'll do a little location and see what happens. I mean, it was on, dude. They yeah. bulls blowing up everywhere. And I don't know how many sets we had where we had encounters with bulls, but we had a group of three bulls come in on us that, I mean, I thought Joe was going to kill one of them and Joe thought I was going to kill one of them. And <laughs> we had a decoy and, and we're filming and you're I mean, both filming. Was, yeah, we're both you know, filming I'm at filming. the same time. And I'm like, Joe goes, you go ahead and kill him when you're ready. And I'm like, bro, I ain't even got my bow. I got my phone out. We're videoing. And this bull, this bull, this big bull opens up and sounds just like a monkey. He's heard all of us going on and he goes, <laughs> and I looked at Joe and I went, what? Well, he was doing, and he was doing that bark chuckle. Yeah. I was right. like, oh, yeah. what in the yeah. world is that? Mm. So Joe kind of went <laughs> right back at him. And man, that rascal come on an absolute line. Big <laughs> seven by seven, man. Come oh, wow. Straight in. And I, I probably could have shot him at about 58 yards frontal, but I had some trash in my way. It just didn't feel right, right? So yeah. I'm like, any minute he's going to turn broadside. And when he does, he's getting the missile because he was way big enough for Big O to let yeah. one fly, you know. That yeah. rascal came in there straight on to us. And it, as he angled, he got into some real thick brush. And he's got bulls over here on the right that he's seeing. And he's got us standing over there. Man, it was the wildest scenario you'd ever seen. But he would not come any closer because he couldn't see us. He could yeah, see he those other bulls over there. He should he have could, seen us, right. Yeah. He should have seen us, but he couldn't. So he was real sharp about that, man. Yeah. You know? And I think that's why he's doing that the bark in front of it Once first. Yeah, he's it, demanding yeah. for us to show ourselves, right. Yeah. yeah. So in that scenario, yeah. Travis, what would you do to try to finish him off? Oh, well, basically it's it's – when he's trying to tell you he's barking at you already, he's probably got you pegged down. So yeah. you're 58 yards away. He's at that distance where he's not coming no more. It's it's honestly yeah, what I would do. <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah. What I would do, I would honestly go silent and I would let him play out his little game. And then they're gonna they're gonna mold back into the bush a little bit. That's gonna give you guys time to move up a little bit, maybe off to the side, reset the whole scenario again. Because you know he's willing to play. He's willing to come in. Sure. And you've called him in once already. You'll call him in again. You know what I mean? Travis, you got to know something. When we got elk in the set, there ain't no way me and Joe going to be silent. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, we're going to be talking, man. So uh, it was a a joyous occasion. And we were like, how did we not kill a bull out of that hole? Well, the the problem was is I I already had him where I couldn't see him because I'm trying to pull the bull back, right? Yeah. And in the process, I ended up calling in two other groups that came in to me. So, yeah, so I'm like – 
I'm like messing with them and the other bulls like, you know, over there. And oh, no. it, it, yeah. was just, it was just one of those crazy fun situations. Yeah. Yeah. And what's going to happen there is basically that bull's going to come. He wants to play with you. But once the cows get fed up, because he's going to have cows, a bull that size, he's going to have cows. They're going to kind of get bored of the scenario and, and get he's fed up. And they're going to start going back. And, and that's why the bull him. turns and he goes with them. Exactly. Makes so sense. The, mm-hmm. And the only way, we call those of the runner bulls. So I don't know what you guys call them. But the only way, uh, once the cows. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we got several, eh? Starts with a J and ends with an O. Yeah. <laughs> so the, the tactic I found that's the best for turning one of those bulls, I'll let them go, and yes. you'll hear him. He'll be bugling still. He'll be 100 yards away. You'll move up. He'll he'll be 200 yards away. You'll move up another 100. He'll be 250 away. You're like, shoot, this guy, he keeps going away. The only way I've found to turn a bull like that Move up again, get really close, and and don't bugle to him. Just grab a, a dead old tree branch and just absolutely go ballistic. And, I mean, smash that sucker as hard as you can on the tree and try to be as violent as you can. I mean, if it's if it's a 10-foot tree, I, by the time I want you to be done, I want you to be holding a one-foot piece that yeah. you can't even hit anymore. <laughs> Honestly, that's especially a bigger herd bull like that. That's mm-hmm. the only way I found of turning one of those bulls. Once he starts going and following his cows, yeah, you got to be super aggressive for him to come back. So the uh, the other strategy, and w- I was actually going to bring this up about what oh. did you do later on for herd bulls because that's exactly yeah. what you're talking about there. And and the reason he's a runner is because he is stopping. He's bugling back at you while his cows are still moving, and then he ends up jogging up to them. So it yeah. seems like he's literally going up. But my other strategy is. We get up on the parallel downwind side and try to, because as things get smaller at the top where they're moving, we literally try to move up parallel in a position and actually pull the cows to us and not the, not worry about the bull. So we start going yeah. into an aggressive bull scenario where we're displaying and being bigger than the bull that they're with because again, the cows choose which bull they want to breed with, and if there is a bigger, more dominant bull in the area, you're going to pull them to you. So that's another strategy that we use. Yep, yep, absolutely. I could totally it's not see an that. Easy one though, because you better be ready to move, man. You know. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I've seen your guys' train with all those rocks and all that stuff everywhere. You're you're going oh. through it all, and man, oh man, We're, we don't have the rocks and stuff. We got game trails. We got grass and rose bushes that are waist high and stuff like that mm-hmm. but it's all pines and spruce and poplar trees well, and we're gonna see it in 2023 you're, you're gonna love it when you guys come up here yeah yeah, yeah. if we're you gonna... see one rock that i make you step over you'll, you'll be like trav this is a rock here <laughs> oh my yeah. dude when you come yeah. when you come to, to with us Can't imagine your brother that. you're gonna be yeah. like oh my god hey, what is Chav, that we're walking on Chav RC, do you, do you think yeah. you'll discover those rocks? Oh, oh yeah, <laughs> we got plenty of rocks for him. Hey, Betsy, yeah. you tell, <laughs> Betsy, you tell him about them volcanic rocks. Yeah, man. That's okay, man. We don't need to hear about them volcanic rocks. They're unbelievable, man. You don't need to encourage him, man. So, Travis, man, let me ask you, what are the toughest calling scenarios or situations that you've ever experienced? And then, you know, and you just talked about one of them. We just brought one up. Yep. 
because that yep. running bull is a tough one. What are some of the other real toughest calling scenarios that you come up with, and what did you do to overcome them? So the other toughest one for me personally is once you've went through the whole archery season and now it's the first first day or first week of rifle season, archery season, you know, you have a third of the people that are out there. But come rifle season, they're, I mean, the droves of camps are moving in three, four, five days before rifle season even opens. And, I mean, so you're competing with all these dudes, right? So that's the hard part. Um, <clears throat> that's when I really go, I really drop down into those bowls because a lot of these guys, they're quadding the lines, driving the roads. They don't want to do the work and get in the bush, whereas I'm totally different. I'd rather be in the bush following a game trail. Like we talked about fly fishing earlier. Yep. If I see that one bend, I'm always wondering what's around the next bend. Yep. When I'm following the game trail, I'm the exact same way, man. I'm I'm just stupid. I just keep following the game trail. Well, well where's this trail going? It's going to go to feeding. It's going to go to a spring. It's going to go to a wallow. It's <laughs> going to go to a bedding area. That's where I find all the, the bull bedrooms that I was telling you guys about. That's all following those game trails. And that's all thanks to... Uh, rifle season opening and all the pressure being on because those elk they move back into the thick stuff when they get pressured and that's right in the heart where i want to be one of your key elements of locating or finding elk or where they're going to be is being on in their hallways on their roads following where they go in other words you're going to use those elk trails yeah 100 100 percent yeah you you won't find me on on a walking down a cut line or or bugling from the road walking down a road trying to find a bull it just if you can get in the bush and there's something about an elk he doesn't want to walk on a cut line or across an open meadow or something like that but once they get 10 feet in that bush it's it's a whole different world to them and it's like they're they feel safe again and yeah. that's when they're really willing to chuckle back or do some moans or groans or what a lot of our bulls do they won't say anything but they'll just go clunk with their antler on a on a poplar tree and if you're really in tune for that kind of stuff you'll hear him knock his antler and you'll be like okay man there's a bull right over there and and then you know and the other the other the other way that i find bulls following those game trails um i'm always watching for the crows and the ravens and all that kind of stuff when they fly overhead, when they fly over a herd of elk, they're squawking. They're like, quack, quack, quack. They're telling you right where the elk are. So if you're paying attention, it's going to be probably two or 300 yards over. But, man, you're going to hear those birds. And I've been with buddies, and I'll be like, oh, the elk are over there, 200 yards. they would be like, uh, how do you know that? Like, I said, oh, those birds flew over. They gave them away. And they're just they're blown away, man. So now you can literally follow that game trail, and you can just sneak in there, be ever so quiet, stay on the game trails as much as you can. Because the minute you get off of them, it's like it's tangled rose bushes and thorns and and nasty stuff. You don't want to get off that, but but get in there. Um, that's when you can use the little cow technique again. Just send out one little cow sound, or what I like to go into, I like to. I like to up it just a little bit, and I'll I'll change it to like a tending sequence, because if there's a bull with cows over there, you've moved into this area, and how I start off with my little tending sequence, I'll literally just do like a little 
couple little cow mews and then a couple calf sounds, and I'll just go back and forth with mom and calf, and then I'll just throw in just a really low note little bugle and just keep it real simple. So I'll show you. I'll just do it on my little calf read here. Really just keep it really low and nonchalant. And basically I'll just, I'll do that. I'll do that same sequence. I'll usually do that sequence, what I just showed you. I'll wait about two to four minutes kind of in between. And then I'll do that sequence again. <clears throat> and then the next one, I'll throw in the little chuckle as well after that little low note, little bugle. Mm. And that's again, just inviting those bulls over. And a lot of times that's all it takes and they just, they come, they come over. Cause if there's a bull over there, if he hears you tending a cow, man, oh, there's not a bull on the planet that doesn't want to come over there and steal that cow from, from that yeah. bull, you know, like, so you start tending a cow, man. And they call it, I call it the tending bugle, but it's also their search bugle. You guys have heard the search bugle when the bull's like searching for you. It's just that little low note, really short. Mm -hmm. And I, I think yeah, they're the same like bugle. A lazy bugle, but... like when they're in their bed, right? Yes, yes, kind exactly. Like, well, I'm, I'm right here. Come on. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. And it sounds honestly way better when you're out in the bush and your read is kind of more on the worn out side of it. Then you can really do that little no, like low note bugle stuff. And it sounds a lot more authentic when you're out in the bush, but man, it's, it's, it's worked every year, time after time. And nobody talks about doing that. They're always doing the advertising and they're challenging the bulls and they're doing this and that. Nobody talks about the tending sequence and it's just yeah. a little, it's a little nugget <clears throat> that I keep in my pocket and, and it works every year. So my, mine is just a little different in that, I like, and I really like to use little glunks, huffs, and whines, right? Yep. And I'll just, you know, just add a little bit of that, that cow in there or calf sequence. But most of yep. it is that bull making those, those noises. And I know a lot of people have never really heard a bull huff in, in, in the woods, but yeah. it, it's amazing, man. I mean, oh, yeah. it, I, yeah. and moan. They'll, they yeah, moan, they'll sound like man. a tank when they do it. But when they hear yeah. another bull making making those huff noise and those whines, they know exactly that they're with another cow, that they're yeah. frustrated and following that cow along, right? Yeah, right. yeah. And also add the realism, pull some grass and yep. and swish your feet through the grass. Take your bugle tube and, and whisk it through the grass. Hit Tickle a couple branches with it and stuff like that. Up. Yep. Did you hear that, y'all? I've got to take a second from the show to tell you about the Enchantress call from Slayer Calls. This call, it gets you the most realistic bugles and cow calls I have ever heard from an external. Look, the folks at Slayer Calls designed this external call to act just like a human tongue. So literally, with the push of a button, anyone can use this bad boy to bring those puppies running. Look, if you struggle with diaphragm calls or you have a partner that's just not able to call, 
Y'all, this right here is your ticket to sucking those bulls right on in. If you want to try the Enchantress, which they're calling the Elk Slayer now, to put me in your freezer, then just use our code. It's one word, ElkBroSlay. Again, that's the code, ElkBroSlay, on SlayerCalls.com. And even those little branches that have the leaves, like a willow, just bop, 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 pull those leaves and stuff off. They hear you pulling that, and they're ripping. They think it's the elk are actually eating and feeding and doing stuff. And those sounds, man, anytime you can make it more realistic, it's it's awesome. That's, the more realistic, the better, because that's just going to suck them right in. So let's talk about, guys, let's throw some things out there that other hunters might have experienced. Some of those tough calling, like we just asked him about, some of those tough calling scenarios that maybe some of us have experienced out there. And let's talk with Travis about how, if he's experienced it and how he handled it. So RC Knox and I, we'd hunted all morning, and we got into a little area that was part of a bedroom, uh, and we were actually a little below it. And we, uh, I had just asked him, you know, I didn't know jack crap from elk hunting, but I knew we'd <laughs> we'd walked a long way, and we were been up there in one of the most beautiful places I've ever been, and uh, we were on the edge of a little aspen forest in a little bitty park. And, um, we decided that we we're going to bail off and head back to head back to camp. And, uh, I said, RC, why don't you just make one more call or one more bugle or something, see what happens. And he goes, man, sure. No problem. <laughs> and he goes here. And I mean, like right across <laughs> the park from us, this bull just erupts, man. And he looks at me and he goes, Oh my God. He goes, let's go. So, I mean, we sprint across this park towards the bull, get set up, right? We got the wind, man, everything. It's like perfect. And this bull is, he, you can hear him. He's coming and he just keeps sounding off, keeps sounding off, keeps sounding off. And we ain't said a word. We just shut up, hadn't said anything. And I think he, I think RC did get on his hyper call that he had and give him one more little nudge, right? With that hyper call. And that thing's so awesome. It got that nasally, you know, that buzz sound to it. And, uh, he was coming. I'm in front of some jack pines are in front of me and RC's behind me pulling the bull and man, it just like we, I could hear the bull coming through the timber, the whole nine yards. He's got to be within, I don't know, 45, 50 yards that I thought. And actually the bull was a whole lot closer than that. Right. RC. <laughs> yeah. And, and, uh, we didn't know it, but these jack pines are in front of us. Right. So he needs to step out to the right about, I don't know, 10, 15 feet, and he's right there, right, within 20 yards. That bull, I don't know how they're so big, and I don't know how they stay so camouflaged. I guess their dark legs kind of look like them jack pine bottoms, right? But that bull hung up, what, 25 yards from us, R.C., in the jack pines, and shut the hell up. Son, he didn't say another word and wow. just stood there. RC and I looked at one another and I'm like, and he goes, I'm looking no. this way, looking that way. RC walks right up to me and he goes, you see him? I'm like, no. He goes, he must have smelled us or something, you know? So we're looking around. We're standing right there. 
the bull is, unbeknownst to us, the bull is standing there watching <laughs> this unfold. He, he must can't see us either, and he mm-hmm. can't smell us either, right? But he is standing there, and he's got cows with him because you can hear the cows in the background mewing. Mm, mm, mm. Yeah. And, and RC's like, he's got to be right there. So, you know, who uh, we've learned this over trial and error. <laughs> who moves first is going to lose, right? Yeah. And we moved first, right? And when RC steps out to look, the bull is staring at us, you know, <laughs> he's staring at him 20 yards away, like, oh man, what the hell is that? Bull just walked out of the jack pines, right? <laughs> and, uh, needless to say, bull takes off, uh, and we did stop him, but he was in such thick stuff. Oh that, yeah. Uh, I, he, but he never knew who we were because he never smelled us. I think he yeah. saw us and was like, hey, man, that's alarming. Who the hell is that in my bedroom? You know, <laughs> the only thing I, I can, you know, how do you keep them? I think 100% the setup is so crucial, right? Yeah. We had too much stuff in front of us, but hell, he kind of pinned us down anyway. So if he just yeah. steps out to the right and walks through the, through the thin stuff, he's dead, right? Yeah. But he comes through the thickest part of all of it, right? Yeah. Um, I think is I that was one of the things that, and I and I had the same scenario with Joe too. The, the same thing is the bull hangs up and doesn't say a word. Not he doesn't even mew. He doesn't pant. Oh, we're nothing. talking between fifteen and twenty yards. Close, close, yeah, yeah. close, close, yeah. close. Yeah. Fifteen to twenty yards, right? And uh I've had them within twelve feet of me and and you know, I've seen them since then. But this this opportunity was really made because we engaged the bull the first time and then went to him. I just think if we would have kept the jack pines in behind us, I don't know that he would have saw us coming in though. I mean it's kind of a well, it didn't make a sense to him, though, Gilbert, if you think about it. He's only 15, 20 yards away from you. And he don't and see There's us. this bull that's been over there screaming. He's stopping yeah. and listening, and he's not hearing yeah. nothing, right? Yeah. You know, I mean, yeah. uh, that's where, you know. I think we just needed to be more patient, like well, maybe waiting out another back behind you or something like that, just something yeah. that maybe sold it maybe. a little bit, you know. Yeah. What would you yeah. have done, uh, Travis, in that situation? So my whole life, I've always, anytime I can call anything in, a cow, a calf, a spiker, a three-point, my whole thing is play with them as long as you possibly can play with them because that's when you honestly learn so much. Because when you come, when you call them in and they're, like you say, they're 15, 20 yards away, man, 99% of people are scared to call to them. And that's where you have to really just do the chuckle at them, throw a cow mew, throw calf calls, Scream a bugle at them and just play their game because they're an elk. They're expecting elk sounds anyways. So that's all I can say. Even with that big herd bull and he's behind those jack pines, don't be scared to call. Just give him something. He wants something anyways. And he may just turn and walk through that opening like you, like you want him to, or he might just just turn exactly around and go straight back. Like some of those bulls do. Right. Mm -hmm. But if you don't try again, if you don't try a call, if you don't rake a tree or try to make a move, like a lot of times, just try it next to him and kill a bull and a little spiker or whatever. Mm-hmm. A lot of times, they'll just kind of skirt you by 20, 25, 30 yards. And if you keep playing with them, 
he'll end up doing a circle right around you. Mm-hmm. And you know dang well that they smelled you. Like this happened to me and Dylan last year. And this this little three-point, it's we're a three-point zone, so we're legal. So Dylan could have shot this bull. Um, he literally came around. He was ended up 10, 15 yards right behind me doing all the calling. Mm-hmm. And I just kept chuckling the low note bugle chuckling i got to the point where i was standing up against a a little willow tree and i would i would literally go reach forward and bend over at the waist and grab leaves off the branch and start pulling them and i would hold them up at my mouth and pretend i was eating them and then i'd just let them fall and i'm kind of looking over at at this bully standing right beside me 15 yards and he's just looking at me going what in the world he's eating those leaves i want some of those right and dylan's just sitting there looking at it going what am i watching so we played with that bull for honestly 40 45 minutes dylan filmed the whole thing and afterwards he's like trav i can't believe what 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 i just saw he's like, i've never seen anybody do that with a bull and so that's you're right, man. That yep. is 100% the best way. You know, Chav and I got into some bulls one time where they were across a barrier and we had to watch them, but they got within 12 feet of us, right? Yeah. And, and they, they get discombobulated because they get a little whiff of us, but they couldn't find yep. us, right? And so That's they kind of right. run off and I'd put my bugle tube behind me and softly cow call and like that. And man, they come yep. right back to the, oh, you know, man. what was up, right? Yeah, I mean, yeah, they just come right back. Just kept playing back and forth with them. And I, <laughs> When we shut up, we probably should have kept saying something to him, yeah. like, like you said, doing something. Or giving some movement, man. I think yeah. the problem everybody makes is when that happens, they go silent and they go mo- yep. sneaking. So yeah. here, here this elk's come in, and they're expecting to hear another elk and hear all this stuff, and everything goes quiet, and, and that, yep. that's that's a red flag for them. So, I mean, if there had been some kind of noise, some branches, our seats yep. would have even walked off and made some noise you know, raking as he was walking away. We were worried about him seeing us because he was so hot on us. Right. Know? Yeah. yeah. So, so did yeah. we say discombobulated? You caught that, eh? <laughs> Luis, you said you had a situation. Yeah. yeah so, thank you, Travis. You know, more yeah. of a, more common than not, you know, it, peak season, Bull is herded up, surrounded by cows. You're a bow hunter. Um, you know, you, you locate them, you find them, you get close, but you're surrounded by cows. You got a bull tag, you know, mm-hmm. um, you know, yeah. th- it's, it's a herd bull. Uh, obviously there might be some satellites around, but you want that herd bull. You know, how do you, how do you get that herd bull to come in when he's surrounded by cows, right? And they're yeah. eating and this is late afternoon. So it's late afternoon. They, they're, are they up from their from bedding for the afternoon and they're yeah. getting ready to head out? So we see that a lot. You know, we, we all I love the meet. question though because it, it makes, makes a, a difference, difference, right? The time of yeah. the day makes a difference. Yeah, absolutely, it does. Yeah, absolutely. Because uh, we all hunt the moon phases, and everybody says, "Well, you know, you hunt the middle of the day. That's when you know let them bed down, and then that bull's going to lay down for a couple hours, and then he's going to get back up." He's usually going to let out a little, like you say, a bedded bull bugle or something like that to tell you he's up. Then he's going to scent check his girls. Um, so you basically, I just kind of wait them out at that point, and I'm just sitting there waiting for him to get back up. 
Because you got to realize you're contending with all those eyes. You have their eyes, their ears, their nose. And you, you guys know, for the most part, you can fool their eyes and their ears, yep. but you'll never, never, ever, ever, ever fool their nose, ever. no matter ever. what. You won't so, see them. They'll be gone. Yeah, that's right. Yep. Yeah. So make sure you got your wind checker. You're checking the wind all the time. And like I say, stay on those game trails and try to be as silent as you can and move in on those game trails until you actually want to make noise. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then that's when I'll start, you know, breaking branches at that point, you know, just kick some rocks if we don't have much for rocks, but we have tree roots that cross yeah. the trails and all that stuff, you know, knock your boot on those, on those tree roots. Cause that sounds like a hoof hitting mm-hmm. as well. Right. So just do a little bit of stuff like that. Your ultimate goal is to try that. You're going to try to pull that bull away from all those cows and, like our bulls, honestly, when they herd up here in archery season, they'll get five. If if a bull has five or six cows, that's a lot. Oh, wow. Like we don't, yeah, yeah, up where I hunt here, you don't see 20, 30 cows with a bull. That's it's, normal where we are. Yeah, it's, 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 they just break off into little bachelor groups and a three point will be a herd bull. And, oh, wow. you know, Ooh. he's breeding two or three cows and then, mm-hmm. you know, 200 yards away, there'll be a five point and you'll have two or three or four cows kind of thing. Right. Mm-hmm. So, um, but yeah, that's, that's when you have to kind of move in. That's when I'll kind of get fairly aggressive. I'll start raking trees, breaking branches. And then you guys heard the bull, bull calling cows bugle that, uh, Paul Medell talks oh. about and stuff like that. Or Joel that, Turner talks about it a lot. Let's hear it, brother. Um, lay it on us. It's basically really short and it's raspy. And you kind of pop it at the end. Really short. It's very short, aggressive. And basically, like you guys know, you're basically talking to the ladies at that point. Right. So you infuriate that bull, he's definitely going to come looking. Um, It's something to try anyways because if you – if you can't get past all those cows anyhow, you're going to lose the battle anyways. Right. So you you might as well try something like that. Yep. Yeah, it's yeah. basically what kind of like a display bugle. You're displaying to the cows. And, yes. You know, I, I think that's the problem is is everybody wants to engage the bull. And, yeah. Mm-hmm. And really, if you talk to ignore him and talk to the girls, he you will come. Really turned up. You know? Yeah. Build yeah. it and they will come. So, yeah, that's definitely. yeah. I really I've like. It. Go ahead. Sorry, I, go ahead. I, I was going to say I really like the thought of the comment of you know hit them logs with your boots yeah. as mm-hmm. if you're you know a, a bull walking through the woods and you just yeah. kind of making that stump noise. I, yeah. I I thought that was cool. Yeah. So the so the only time I'm honestly really quiet is when I'm kind of moving in on an elk to, to get to my where I want to set up. That's the time I'm really quiet. Anytime after that, I'm making noise, pulling leaves, pulling grass out of the ground, ripping the roots out, tickling branches on the trees as you go by. Because you don't want to be sneaking in on those bulls and cows and being absolutely silent. Because what walks around the bush and is absolutely silent? Yeah. Pre- 
predators, man. That's exactly. predators are silent. Like you guys have been stalked up by cougars or bears or. No, I haven't. And I hope I will never be. Well, <laughs> wait till you come up here. Wait, wait, 2023. Oh no! Oh no! If you see something moving with no sound, that yeah. means yes. a predator. Oh, that's a predator at all times. Yeah. So yeah. So. Move into your area. Once you're in your little setup area, do elk type sounds. And I mean, huff and puff into your grunt tube and do all that kind of stuff. Do some glunking. You know, glunking just. Yeah. It don't take much. You know, anybody can do it. A lot of guys have a little tube thing that they just glunk on or a a beer bottle. I've seen guys do it on beer bottles, stuff like that. Those really low guttural sounds. Man, that's, uh, that could be just a ticket of bringing one of those bulls over. Because if he's hearing you glunking, he knows you got cows, man. Because a bull's not, he's not glunking. If you, if a bull doesn't have cows, he's got no reason to glunk. That's him talking to the girls, keeping the girls all in check, right? Close. And you have to be very close to that to hear it. Like Absolutely. it's most hunters probably honestly have never heard a, bull, a real bull glunk other than on like YouTube or something like that. Yeah, I, you know, Luis's bull, Gilbert's bull, just about all these that they all died to a glunk. Man, the glunk yep. pulled them puppies up because that equals mm-hmm. a bull with cow, man. Yes. So I didn't, I didn't and add that into. Right. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's right. So you add that into your little tending uh, sequence. Yep. Man, oh man, you got some deadly sounds there. It's yeah. Paul Paul Medell's really big on the glunk that to. Finish yep. it off, right? He said, yep. "You want to finish yep. something off, you get the yep. glunking." You know? Yep, yeah, yep. that's right. You know, and, and tra- go ahead, Joe. I was just checking. Did you have another question about uh, a scenario, Gilbert? Anybody else? No, Chav? Uh, no. Or... I, I, only, just... Chav? The only yeah. question I, I have, uh, Travis, is how would you get a a beginner that's uh, starting right now today to? you know, be prepared to hunt in September, you know, what would you suggest for a beginner? Well, so basically I would get them ready. Yeah, absolutely. For sure. Uh, Cause I do a lot of seminars where I'll literally teach kids and young ladies and beginner uh, gentlemen to call right away, like in front of my table at the seminar or at, at like at a trade show even. Um, and I just, you have to teach them where to put the read and what sounds they need. They only need like, a few little basic sounds. I believe you need to have a calf sound, a basic cow mew, and basically a location bugle, which one or two note location bugle. And then I tell them, take it one step further, learn the advertising bugle, which is the same as, and I'll show them, I'll show them it's just shorter and use your voice and I'll get them to, and man, you learn those calls. You can call in bull anywhere you go. It don't matter. You'll be calling bulls in. And having a having a blast doing it because that's the whole thing. Just don't be scared to call. Get out there, do it. Especially when you're a beginner, because I take new guys out all the time. I do most of the calling, but I still make them guys that are with me. I still make them do some bugles and stuff like that. And like Louise was saying, like most guys are they're terrified. They're like, "What? You want me to bugle? Like, <laughs> oh man, well, I'm not as good as you. Like, I can't do that. Yeah. I'm like." Man, just let her rip. Have fun with it. Just yeah. absolutely send it out there. Because yeah. you guys know, like 
some of the worst bugles get the answers back. Like yeah, you can sure. sound, you can sound like a songbird and send out the most perfect bugle, and you'll hear silence. Whereas you get that rookie guy, let the <laughs> let them do their screen thing, and there'll be a bull that fires off. It's like, holy man, see, you just called that bull. <laughs> That's awesome. So yeah, yeah, I said. It, and it honestly don't matter if you're a beginner. Just if all you can do is do a cow mew or a calf sound, go to the bush and do that cow and calf mew and just go have fun with it. If you can call that spiker in or that cow, play with them as long as they'll let you play with them and just do their thing. Because an hour, yeah, an hour with a real live animal in your lap is more than anybody can show you on YouTube or anything like that. I mean, like you, like you guys know, I've been hunting since I was knee-high to a grasshopper. I've honestly probably forgot more stuff that I've, you know, screwed up on and learned from and forgot in my whole hunting career. Yeah. I learn stuff every year, and it's like, man, I forgot about that. Why didn't I try that, right? So it's a constant thing. I've, I've been hunting elk probably 30, 35 years, and you're always learning. So. Yeah. And I feel like, honestly, I feel like a beginner going out there every year. Like, you get out there and you're all giddy and you do that first chuckle of the season or something like that, and you get a bull and you're like, yeah, man, they're still here, right? Yeah. <laughs> and and it and it's even better when you have your own reed to do it on. Oh, and now no, when, man. When you guys get an answer. Oh, yeah. man. Uh, it's yep. going to be awesome, man. Yeah. It's going to be yeah. awesome. Travis, yeah. Uber that excited was awesome. It is. Yeah. Uber excited to be part uh, of the Wapiti River family. Travis, we can't thank you enough for what you've done for us here. Unbelievable content. Guys, you got all of this all this content from a world champion elk caller, Mr. Travis O'Shea. Thank you so much for being with us, brother. Thanks, you, guy. If you like what we're doing here, please subscribe, rate, and review. Uh, you got to go to Apple Podcasts or iTunes to review us, and you can check out more elk hunting content at elkbros.com. And just a reminder, if any of our listeners would like their questions answered on our show, just send your questions to info at elkbros.com. That's I-N-F-O at elkbros.com. And like we say down here in the Lone Star State, and you boys up there north of the Canadian border as well, husbands, kiss your wives. Wives, kiss your husbands. Hug your babies. Keep your broad head sharp and your powder dry. And we'll see you next week right here on Blue Collar Elk Hunting. Catch that grinder. Look at that. (laughs) There it is. And for all our grinders out there, here's some more music from our brother from the north, Mr. Tony Winstrip, to close out our show. Down a deep trough, surrounded by some brush. And every time I'd see the white tips get the Rocky Mountain rush, a constant swing of thermals had him sniffing up the wind. It's the blood and sweat and tears of mine came rolling down my chin. I saw a monster with no shots to take, points on top like a garden rake, tracks as big as a Clydesdale on the run. And he talked trash at me while he ran away, and I'll be back to ruin his day when the elk gods come to call on malicious.
And the temperatures start to drop Start packed up, ready to make my way up on the mountaintop With a quiver full of six And three blades sharp and ready My heart was maxed out and all I had to do was hold her steady Delicious was a man above a man When he left the thunder roll You could hear him all across the land He was painted with a splash of mud And he weighed more than a grand Now it's him and I in Timberline And he's down to his last stand in my hand.